The Standing Stone. Evil lurks in the forest. What terror stalks the villagers of Ossington? Who is the ghastly horseman haunting the road, stopping anyone from leaving? Why are the wild elves slaying villagers from afar with their deadly stone-tipped arrows? What lies buried in the old great barrow? And why is it steering on you? What secrets do the ancient standing stones surrounding the village hold? And can the heroes solve the mystery before a foul plot comes to fruition? This is what I read when I picked up the standing stone from my friendly local gaming store. And that was what hooked me instantly. Yeah, it seems that I'm that guy that I have a soft spot for the not-so-famous modules of the past. Of course, down the line, the heavy hitters will come. So stick around. But for this video, I'm going to share with you the events that took place two decades ago with the continuation of my first video, The Sunless Citadel. I skipped The Forge of Fury and The Speaker in Dreams not because they were not good adventures, but because the way this adventure unfolds simply created the foundation of 20 years of gaming with my friends. These storylines simply became the groundwork that all of our next adventures followed. Today, I'm going to break down the Standing Stone and pretty much I'm picking it above all the rest for the same reason I did with the Sunless Citadel. Because as you will see at the end, things took a totally different turn. A turn that the players, or even me, did not anticipate it for. So, with no further ado, this is the Standing Stone. Let's proceed with a too long didn't watch kind of a part. The village of Ossington is being plagued by the attacks of a ghost rider along with the orchestrated attacks of wild elves. The villagers are not allowed to leave and they are about to become starved if the following winter comes and nothing changes. The group investigates the nearby forest, they deal with the aggressive elves and they put the ghastly rider to rest by burning his bones. The end. But there is more to that as you understand. I would suggest to stick around until the end to find out what it really happened. So let's pick it up from the beginning. My group had picked up a lead from, if you remember, hated vampire, their nemesis, that he was released by them at the Sunless Citadel. They have found out that he has moved into a town close by and he seems to have inhabiting an abandoned tower. So they started their journey instantly towards it. They need to deal with a vampire. The players found themselves at the old forest road. They saw a spectral rider running towards a man in brown symbol clothes that he was trying to escape him. A sword in the back and a tremble from his horse was enough to kill the poor man. The rider turned his horse towards the players, stood his stallion in two legs and raised his sword towards the sky. With only the sound of hoofs covering the area, he galloped away from them in a glimpse of a moment. Moving on to investigate, the party found a massacre on the side of the road. An older man dead on a wagon and not too further behind there was a woman cut in half. Trying to gather as much as they could from that bloodbath, the groups followed the road and they found what it seems to be a small farm in an almost abandoned condition. There was a skeleton of a dead horse that it was killed from what it seems to be elven arrows, unplowed fields and ready to fall barns. Tarby and Tanasa the father and a daughter are still residing in what it seems to be a mess of a place. They reluctantly allow entrance to the group. Tarby is not sharing much regarding information, but he is more than happy to share some of his non-existent food with the players, something that they're highly appreciated. On the other hand, when Tarby fell asleep, Tanasa told them everything that she knew. The people of Ossington are starving because of the attacks of the elves and the horsemen. 
They have been stopped from planting new crop and they had to eat almost everything, chickens, sheep, cows, leaving them with no produce and no livestock whatsoever. They even eat the seeds they had. So starvation is a reality this winter. She does not know why the elves or the horsemen attack, but he knows that many people died in the past and the elves are to blame for it. Moving on from the farm, the group finds a small chapel in the way towards Ossington. In the chapel there are nine shrines of the nine neutral gods and there is a woman with a small monkey-like creature moving from shrine to shrine, repeating constantly a litany. Harrowing questions come from the lady named Henwen. Are you prepared for death? she asks. Have you made your peace with your god before entering this god-forsaken place? Pray for the good of your soul. The group did not manage to gain any more information from what it seemed to be a half-crazy woman, so they were alarmed but convinced that they had to deal with this unholy situation that is taking place at the village of Ossington. Arriving at the entrance of the village, the group see an avenue of standing stones placed 30 feet apart, leading into a large clearing set right against the surrounding trees as if they were holding back the forest. In the center of the clearing stands a second smaller circle of stones. Inside that, lies the village of Ossington. A crowd of 50 people or more surrounds the party begging for food. Their malnourishment is obvious to all of them. A smoothing melody is coming from a figure atop of one of the standing stones. It calms the crowd and allows the party to move freely towards his direction. The bard, Cuckoo, introduces himself and asks what brings them here. He points them to Murdos, the elder of the village that is acting as a mayor. The group headed towards the house of the mayor and met with him. He laid down the situation on their lap. A few months ago, the horseman appeared. The already tense relation with the wild elves seemed to escalate with no apparent reason. Groups of woodsmen were found dead, filled with elvish arrows. Every now and then, more people were gone missing and their bodies would be found days later, killed by the elves. The old mayor named Merrill gathered a group with a white flag headed towards the woods to parley with the elves. They never came back. When they found them, they weren't sure if all the bodies were there or not. The way they'd been hacked apart was hideous. Merrill's body was intact though. With so many arrows, they couldn't unpin him from the tree. They have sent for help, but the horsemen were lurking in the area, hacking down anyone trying to escape. They figured that he is working with the elves, and the both decided to starve them out. Things have gone from bad to worse. They had to eat the sheep, the chicken, there is no more livestock. They could not plant the crop, so there is no harvest come autumn. The horsemen guards the road to the south, while the elves kill anyone heading north. Hence, a cry for help given to the players. If not helped, all the residents of the small village would be dead after the winter was through with them. While still in the room, one second conversing with Murdos, and the next there is a whoomp and a bloody arrow is sticking out of the chest of the man. His eyes rolled up and pitched forward dead. Multiple hawks and a huge owl makes an attack on the village, picking up smaller people from the ground, elevating them and releasing them to their death below. The players reacted as best as they could, and with the help of Cuckoo, they killed the vultures that they were attacking the area. Tully, a tall woman, joins the fight while they see a couple of elves running deep into the forest. Following them proved to be a decoy from a spell to give the real culprits leeway to escape. Cuckoo and Tully escorted the group to the wizard's tower, an old adventurer that inherited the place from his mentor, and he withdrew to live along with his fellow adventurers, Tully. Henwen and Cuckoo. He is saying the same story to the players and gets in depth into the important research he is doing concerning the connections of the divine and the arcane magic, and subject that everybody but the wizard find 
tremendously boring. Dyson, his name, is more than happy to lend Cuckoo or Tally with them for help. They accept the help of the Bard, since they have already seen that his song is reinvigorating them during the combat. Finally, the group decided that they have learned enough. They have to investigate those damn woods for themselves. Hence, they ventured forth. Traversing the woods, they encounter all kinds of weird sights. Human skeletons here and there, burned ruins of a hat, disemboweled bodies of human, even a unicorn skeleton hacked to pieces. In addition to the unpleasantness of stumbling to countless bodies and generally odd atrocities, there is also the constant danger of traps, both active and passive, triggering some and invading some more. The group has already decided that this place is indeed forsaken and they wish to be done with it as soon as possible. The fearful drumming of the horsemen's warhorse hoofs was heard. A moment before, the horsemen appeared and targeted a couple of hunters that tried to find some kind of wild game in the area. This time, the group was prepared and unleashed a powerful attack. The horsemen ignored the players for a couple of rounds, ensuring the hunters were dead, and they turned his wrath towards them. The group managed to destroy the evil spirit, but not before he pointed at the rogue and teleporting him 120 feet to the sky. Thankfully, his dexterous ability saved him from the deadly fall. But at least the horseman was dead, his ghastly body dissipating into the darkness when the final blow was given. During their rest in the woods, the group was ambushed by what it seems to be vile vermin roaming the lands, not important but eerily resembling the monkey Harwen had as a pet. Heading north, the group found a barrier mound. The priest shared the information that those kind of tombs were used by important warriors or warlords in the old age. So, they decided to investigate, if not for information, for silencing the rogue that constantly reminded them that with a great tomb lies great riches. Finding entrance to what it seems to be a maze, the group descended among myriads of traps, walls crashing on them, ceilings collapsing, and many undead lost souls tried to devour them. Among them, three earth elementals that relentlessly tried to stop them from moving on. Finally, they found themselves to what it seemed like a burial chamber with a sarcophagus inside. The decorations depict a warlord with a full armor laying inside the tomb, holding his great sword, but the sarcophagus is empty. Behind it, a secret door. There, Saithnar, the warlord, is found, an undead sitting on his desk, reading old books. His annoyance for disturbing his peace was obvious, but he picked up the non-aggressive manner the group approached him, so he challenged the fighter to a duel. Losing the fight without the rest of the PCs intervening gave an invigorating change of pace in the boring life the dead warlord has, and he obviously respected a good opponent. So the warlord decided to share some information with them. He is not the horseman, he has nothing to do with his barrow. The elves never bothered him where he was alive ages ago. The behavior of the villagers have changed rapidly the past months. No more offerings were given and someone destroyed his door warden. He also shared some of his war stories back in the day when he was alive with his impressive combat feats of strength. Finally, he gives his brutes of shielding as a gift to the warrior and bid them farewell. Continuing the investigation of the forest, the group was ambushed from what it seemed to be a deadly elven trap. Multiple assailants hit them from above. A slip arrow sent the thief to the ground instantly. The wizard tried to relentlessly counter all the magical attacks from the elves, while the fighter and the cleric created a wall protecting them. Fintis, hawks, enlarged owls and the difficult terrain of the forest almost wiped the party. But the quick thinking and strategical use of their abilities saved the day. Of course, Timora was with them as well. A couple of well-landed critical hits really helped turning the scale towards them. 
Unfortunately, the rogue was gravely wounded, losing an eye, leaving him impaired for the rest of his life, something that will constantly come to bite him since his abilities that related to sight were heavily hindered from that day forward. The elves were gone, and at least the villagers would have one less enemy to worry about. Armed with a dedication like no other, the group headed back to the village. On their way, they stumbled upon a tarn, and for once more, the drumming of the hoofs of the warhorse of the horsemen were heard. Having killed him already, the group stood in awe when the same ghastly figure sat still on the horse, watching them waiting for the next move. Cuckoo instantly attacked, without a moment of hesitation, and the fight began once more. Before he was killed for a second time, he looked at the cleric while slowly walking with his horse atop the water of the tarn, and with his left hand salutes him. The cleric, staggered, stopped. He knew that there was a sign among the faithful of Peller, his god as well. The horsemen, slowly sinking into the water beneath the surface, disappearing and leaving the players with a conundrum. Searching the lake, they found his bones and the bones of his warhorse. Only the head missing, his armor and gear rusted and ruined, but still show the sign of dozens of stab wounds that killed him. Only the golden symbol of Peller remained uncorrupted. The group started to wonder, why would an evil ghost wear a good holy symbol? Meditating for an answer, the cleric decided to make a ritual and burn the bones of the rider, laying his soul to rest forever. The group returned to Dyson and received his grateful thanks for a job well done. The elves are gone, the horseman is put to rest, and they can finally resume their lives, all thanks to the players. Once more, the players are heading out of the village, of Ossington thinking they saved the day, when in reality they allowed vile and evil creatures establishing their dominion in the area. The true story behind it all was that Dyson, along with his evil companions, killed the villagers of Ossington and using their powerful spells transformed all the animals of the forest into humans with enhanced intelligence. Being aggressive towards all directions led to a group of wild elves coming into Ossington to parley, solving the dispute once and for all. Dyson and his minions slaughtered them all, also slaughtering the paladin of Pelor that followed them, trying to solve the rumors of unholy doings in the area. Hence, leaving Ossington created and controlled by Dyson, while he is trying to complete his demonic research. The group, leaving oblivious of the truth, will find out in their following adventures of a demonic hub that is infesting the area, with countless of demons attacking the nearby villages. Descriptions of a wizard, a bard, and a fighter could not be ignored and instantly connected with Dyson, Cuckoo, and Tali. Their roads will cross again. Well, that was it, my friend. If you managed to make it through the end, thank you. I really appreciate your time. If you liked this video, do not forget to like it, share it, and subscribe to the channel so you won't miss the following adventures I am about to pick up. Till next time, let's hope Timora signs upon you as it did to my players on that dreadful fight.